I'm afraid I have some rather bad news, sir. It seems the panel of peril are up to their old tricks again. This time they've spoiled Tim Burton's Batman. Commissioner Gordon has asked that you attend at once. This is Diabolical, the show where four long-suffering friends dissect films' most dastardly schemes, then compete to improve them. I'm your host, Countertacular, and this week's movie is Tim Burton's 1989 gothic graphic novel come to life, Batman. So, Peril Pals, hop on some prints, deface some priceless art and Jerry Hall, and... Let's get diabolical. Welcome to this week's episode. As host for this week, I'm the number one guy of the panel of peril. Who will compete against me at the close of the show in a bid to become the most celebrated weirdo in Gotham City? As we each try to come up with the best alternative plan for the movie villain of the week. Before we vote to name this week's most diabolical. As ever, I'm joined by three clowns. Please introduce yourselves and tell me, what is your favourite villain origin story? Let's start with Ben, because he really wants me to start with him. (laughs) I'm not prepared. (laughs) (laughs) I am, I'm just joking. My name is Ben, and my favourite villain origin story, I don't know, Gaz and... Craig, you might remember this because we had a little chat about it many moons ago. Oh, yes. When Turner was unavailable. But it's Mr. Glass from Unbreakable. Glass? Who gives a fuck about Glass? <laughs> it's such a relatable origin story. You, you really feel sorry for him and you're almost on his side, apart from all the, the murdering he does. Yeah. <laughs> and do you have a supervillain name? I do. I'm going to be King Tut. I like it. <laughs> Go around tutting people. I go to random funerals and tut the people giving a eulogy. He was a kind and generous man. I'd apply for jobs and just tut every question the interviewer asks. <laughs> Tell me, why would you why do you think you'd be a good fit for this role? <laughs> that kind of thing. You'd get the sack though, because you're always doing this. Yeah, definitely getting the sack. <laughs> I think, and I'm not sure, but I think King Tut might have been a villain in the sixties TV Batman. Damn it. Definitely yes, some kind of pharaoh. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was a there was an Egyptian themed villain for sure, yeah. Yeah. I w- I wouldn't be Egyptian themed. I'd just be tutting everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Gaz, your favorite supervillain origin story if you please. I'm Gaz and my favorite super <laughs> fucker. My favorite superhero <laughs> villain. Superhero villain, supervillain origin story <laughs> is from that same unreleased chat that the three of us had is Magneto from X-Men. Yeah. For a similar reason to, to Ben. I think the best villains are the ones where you can empathize with them to a degree and who can't empathize with someone who is suffering from trauma as part of the Jewish Holocaust of World War II. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's an absolute masterstroke of a, an origin story that, that Chris Claremont retconned in. Wonderful villain. Yeah. Agreed. Do you have a supervillain name? My villain name is King of Honor because there's a wrestling company called Ring of Honor. Mm. So my gimmick is that I am a wrestler superhero. Wow. 
I shake hands before I do the code of honor that Ring of Honor has. I shake hands and then I kick the shit out of them because they're bad bastards. <laughs> you do a heel turn. Yeah. yeah. The old rope dope <laughs> The old scrub dub dub. Adam, do you have a favorite supervillain origin? And also, do you have what I'm going to call a harm moniker? thought that now that's, that good, that, good. <laughs> that's quite nice actually uh, if you actually had a harmonica it would have been perfect <laughs> that's got my pun of the week adam's pun of the week <laughs> <laughs> hello this is the one they call adam my favorite villain origin story i, I didn't go for a super villain but he kind of is Mm, that's fine. Is Revan from Knights of the Old Republic uh, and how he turns to the dark side. And But then, obviously, as you play the game, you can either stay on the light side or go back to the dark side and stuff like that. So the whole story between him and Malik and what they did in that is my favorite story. And as for my own villain name, I am the Procrastinator. Seemingly not dangerous at all, but then just at the last minute, I pull a plan up my arse and the rest is history. Yeah, silent but deadly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know me, Count Attacular. You can call me Craig if you want, but when you bring me out, can you introduce me as the Midnight Toker? Some sort of red boy, eh? That's right, yeah. Exactly right. I give hand jobs for crack, <laughs> but then I sell the crack to kids. <laughs> <laughs> so it all evens out. <laughs> I was also involved in that conversation. I can't for the life of me remember what I said then. Uh, you said your, your favourite was Big Bird. <laughs> Big Bird, shit, of course, yeah. Because of the whole Snuffleupagus incident. The one who likes adultery. Yes. I don't know what you mean, but yes. <laughs> I must make love to a married woman. I simply must. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. I forgot all about that. Let's put that in the show notes. How could you ever forget about that? I don't know, but now I've remembered. That's incredible. Whenever I see Big Bird's picture now, I regularly, I, I always think of that and I have a little chuckle to myself. I'm like, if only they knew. <laughs> But what I've said for today on theme is that my favourite villain origin story is the one that Paul Dini gave to Mr. Freeze in the Batman animated series that was inspired by tonight's movie, where he's fighting to cure his cryogenically frozen wife's condition. Or, you know, another great villain origin story, The Godfather. Put that in there just in case someone else said Mr. Freeze. So yeah, The Godfather's pretty good, right? A lot of people like The Godfather. I think it's been sort of fairly praised over the years. Yeah, yeah. What's it called? The Godfather. It's about a baptism, is it? It's about a wedding. A wedding gone awry and hilarity ensues. (laughs) (laughs) Time now to delve into this week's film. By the time Hollywood finally had the nerve to take a chance on adapting Batman for the big screen, fans were ready for a darker take on the caped crusader. Prior to 1989, the incarnation of Batman with which the viewing public was most familiar was the campy comic 60s TV series. However, comic fans were embracing what some saw 
as a return to the character's grittier origins following the success of Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. Stepping up to the plate was renowned hairdresser and wildlife expert John Peters, (laughs) who, along with his partner Peter Goober, had clung to the option through nine years of development hell. Their choice of director and star did little to assuage fan fears that the movie would take The Dark Knight less than seriously. Then 30-year-old Tim Burton, a self-confessed non-comics fan, was best known for bringing Paul Rubens' wacky children's entertainer Pee-wee Herman to the big screen in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. He and star Michael Keaton had more recently collaborated on creepy comedy Beetlejuice. The promise of a soundtrack featuring human peacock Prince and Oingo Boingo's Danny Elfman would be met with the same enthusiasm. Adding to the pressure, star Sean Young had to exit the project following a horse riding accident and its pure kismet, Kim Basinger was available to step into the role of love interest Vicky Vale. Though the fans couldn't know it, screenwriter Sam Hamm's draft had embraced the darker, less comedic tone they desired, and rewrites from Warren Scarron went further, ditching lurid boy wonder sidekick Robin entirely. Production designer Anton First brought us a Gotham removed from time, a hodgepodge of brutalism, industrialism, and art deco that looks like 80s New York was built right on top of 30s New York, where oppressive skylines blot out the sun. Lending credibility, Gravitas and his big purple opinion to the role of villain Joker was the legendary Jack Nicholson, whose natural shit-eating grin was widened to maniacal proportions that allowed him to eat up the set and a healthy take of the merchandising. Though he would go on to play a significant role in interfering with Burton's vision, Nicholson was undeniably a huge draw for audiences, and his Joker remains a huge pop cultural icon. While at the time, it must have looked on paper at least like a recipe with incompatible ingredients, with hindsight, Burton's gothic take with its classic theme tune and star-studded cast is rightly revered as the movie that convinced Hollywood that comic book and superhero properties could be made with adults in mind. Now, as it's our third Batman episode, it seems like the appropriate time to introduce a new feature, which I'm calling, What Crazy Shit Did John Peters Want This Time? (laughs) I'll tell you three bat facts about the making of Batman, two of which will be true, and one will be false. If you can correctly identify the red herring, you will survive for the sequel. Number one, John Peters wanted the Batsuit to feature the Nike logo. Burton's compromise was to allow the Batsuit to incorporate Nike shoes. Number two, John Peters wanted Warren Beatty to portray the Cape Crusader, as the actor had previously portrayed a character based on Peters in Shampoo. However, Peters fell out with Beatty when, despite being corrected several times, he continued to mispronounce the surname of Peter's girlfriend, Kim Basinger, as Bassinger. The fallout led to Beatty pursuing Dick Tracy the following year. And number three, John Peters wanted both Prince and Michael Jackson on the soundtrack and wanted Danny Elfman's score to combine their sounds. Per Peter's wishes, Jackson would provide the romance themes while Prince would provide music for the villain, echoing the love triangle between Peters, Basinger and Prince, in which Peters presumably viewed his rival as the bad guy. So one, two or three, one of them's bat fake. I think two's the fakey. I think that 
Warren Beatty wouldn't have been considered for Batman. I think he was actually quite a big fan of Dick Tracy and he, he pursued it beforehand, if I remember rightly. Mm-hmm. We're talking about John Peters here. He is mad, or was. Yeah. I thought I've heard the Nike logo one before, but then I thought I heard the Warren Beatty one before as well. So I'm going to go with the Triangle of Musicianship. Right, so we've got Gaz on two, Ben on three. Tony, you going to round us out or are you going to side with one of these bozos? Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to side with one of them, but I'll just round it out as, as number one, just because uh, one of us would definitely be right. <laughs> so the winner is Gaz. Oh. I based that on the fact that Peter's apparently used to go apeshit when people mispronounced Barbara Streisand's name. She was his first famous girlfriend. But he, he was dating Kim Basinger and Prince was at the same time. And before that, she was dating a rival hairdresser of, of Peter's that he had to woo her away from. Vidal Sassoon. Tony and Guy. <laughs> That's one guy, in it? Tony and Guy. <laughs> Head and shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's find out what the panel of Peril thought of the film before we throw open the chat to talk in more detail about our favourite aspects, sequences and lines. Let's start with Ben. It's definitely a fun watch, but at the same time, I thought there were flaws that meant it never reached the high watermark set by The Dark Knight or Adam West's Batman, which I know are kind of very different approaches to The Dark Knight and so perhaps not the fairest comparison, but there it is. I loved how unapologetically cartoony this one is and you mentioned the design Ooh. in your in- intro and I think that's great for me it looked like a combination of like noir steampunk and gothic yeah which I thought just it looked great yeah Danny Elfman's score it, it swoops and it soars throughout and as you say Nicholson's performance I think is an all-timer yeah I think part of the design, you got to thank Tim Burton. He's got an artist's eye. He was an animator at Disney. Yeah. And, you know, he'd worked with Danny Elfman before. Apparently, he took Danny Elfman in to present his his ideas, and the producers were, like, not really into it. But he wasn't playing the main theme, you know, the, the famous one. So he told him, play the march, play the march. And he's like, all oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With Jack Nicholson, I really think Tim Burton knew what he had there because... How many films could you think where the villain gets as much, if not more, screen time than the hero? Right. And then, yeah, on the other side of it, Billy Crystal, Michael Keaton, <laughs> whichever one it was, I, his performance didn't work that well for me. Right. I know it's been praised as edgy and tormented, but for me, I just felt it was a bit flat. And then I was just waiting for the Joker to reappear, which luckily was never too long between scenes. Yeah. But then probably the biggest issue for me was the plot it didn't feel that coherent it just felt like a series of escalating events mm. maybe that's to do with it being burton's like third feature but when you compare it with the narrative and say like sleepy hollow which we did in episode 35 i think it's night and day yeah sleepy hollow he was probably at the peak of his powers then but there's a quite big difference in, in how skillfully he he manages the story i think that's down to the studio interference we spoke about before Huge oh, okay. sections of the script got dumped. When they were shooting, mm. they didn't have an ending. Nicholson and Peters decided to build that tower that they ends in and didn't know why. They just wanted to be in a tower. Apparently, Burton was shooting and Keaton was going up the stairs and he's like, why am I going upstairs? And Burton was like, oh, I'll tell you when we get to the top because he didn't know. He didn't know how it was going to end. <laughs> right, yeah, that makes sense. So overall, I give it 
it's worth watching for Nicholson's performance out of five. All right. And Kaz, would you agree it's worth watching for Nicholson's performance out of five? Batman, give me, give me, give me that bat because I'm gonna man it. Batman, give me, give me, give me that bat because I'm gonna man it. Yeah, I really like it. (laughs) (laughs) When you look at it compared to the superhero films that are coming out now, it's a very clearly authored film visually. I didn't go as far to say scripturally. Doesn't that mean like to do with scripture, like in the Bible? Scripturally, then. Scripturally. <laughs> <laughs> because less so than maybe Batman Returns, but but you've got Tim Burton's obsession with the outsider, the kooky outsider in both Batman and the Joker. Yeah. The sets are absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. I don't think you'll see the like of them again. They remind yeah. me of something like Metropolis by Fritz Lang. Yes. That crazy, brutalist German architecture. Yeah. It's all angles and large looming faces and yeah. I guess kind of retro futurism involved in there too. Yeah. Yeah. Great score by Danny Elfman. Still probably the best superhero theme of, of my lifetime. Yeah. John Williams Superman theme coming before I was born, that is. Yeah. I think it holds up brilliantly. And I think they got better with Batman Returns a couple of years later, having watched that fairly recently too. Yeah, I think uh, at that point, part of Burton's like negotiation for returning was that the studio interference wouldn't happen again and he would have mm. creative control on Batman Returns. The architecture was only built up to 40 feet and all the buildings that you see, you only see the bottom of them. Mm. Obviously, everything else was done with like a matte painting. Wow. But it must have been, even on just with that on set, it must have been really impressive to look at. Yeah, And I think it makes the film feel kind of timeless mm. because it's out of time, it's removed from time. Yeah. Neither the 30s nor the 80s, somewhere, some else world where those things coexist. Mm. That's right, yeah. Just quickly speaking of the sets, only being up to a certain height, I'll, I'll stick on Instagram. I've got a, a photograph of myself many moons ago, stood on the, the steps of Gotham City Hall. So Peril Pals, keep a lookout for that. Appearing on Instagram at some point soon. With the Batmobile that, of course, used to lull yeah, baby that's... Bruce Wayne to sleep in his, in his crib. <laughs> We've all been I must say you look very young and full of the vim yeah. and vigour of life. Full of spunk, yeah. I must yeah. say. Yeah, not like now. Worn out husk. <laughs> All right, Adamski, are you with you with Ben? Are you with Gaz, Adam, or are you somewhere in between? How do you feel about Batman? I've got a lot of praise for this film, but I'm going to start off with the bit I didn't like, and that is Jack Nicholson. I did not like his performance oh. when you said that he was like tinkering around and and calling the shots and stuff. Mm. I think it's pretty obvious yeah. from yeah. the way he plays it. I think that's part of the his aura in the film and, and his character is that he feels like he is the star playing that character. So then he just, he's over the top and, and he can do what he wants. And I didn't like it. But part of that as well is that the fact Heath Ledger did such an incredible job. And now I watched the same with the, the Joker, the Joaquin Phoenix film. I watched that yeah. with the same, with Heath Ledger's legend looming large. Right. And I think it's very... I know other people can separate themselves from that, but I think that he did such an incredible job with that. And the fact that as well, that Jack Nicholson was livid when he found out Heath Ledger got the role above him and stuff, and he should have been considered for it and lost his shit is again, rams home to me that his is the ultimate. And I just thought Jack Nicholson was a bit predictable in it. Uh, Yeah. He's got a bit of madness and stuff, but he's no more mad 
than the Joker was in the original Batman series and in the film. I prefer that performance yeah. over Jack Nicholson, to be honest. I thought that was a more unique take on it. I'll tell you something. He would disagree with you because he absolutely loved his performance in Batman. So, so much so. Can you give us a sample of what he might say to us? Well, I know for a fact that he screened it weekly in his home. So he'd say, uh, <laughs> well. uh, fuck you. Hey, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> to who? Who's he saying this to? Turner. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you go and fuck? yourself or something like that do you know who gives a <laughs> shit about your opinions no one i didn't ask yeah <laughs> but nicholson aside i really liked keaton's performance i think as bruce wayne he's naturally mm. supposed to be unassuming type but i think what he brings to it is this like nerdy billionaire type whereas the others are he's portrayed as a playboy later on stuff like that Whereas I don't think he necessarily right. is in this. He's just like, he's very withdrawn. Yeah. And I just like that about him. And I thought he did a really great job. And then there's uh, there's certain bits where he really does stand out. And then, obviously, Tim Burton's vision for it is unbelievable. My first note is Gothic Gotham. Mm. And it just looks great. And what I wrote was, I thought Tim Burton bridges a gap or gaps between real world noir and comics to present a kind of serious take on a classic tongue-in-cheek Batman that we're used to, but it's still so much fun. Um, and I think it fits. If you remove the the post-Burton 2 Batman films and place that next to the Nolan franchise, I think it sets it up really, really well. And I think it's just a transition from the West era to the Keaton. I think it sets it up really, really nicely. It's not beyond the, a Dutch angle, this one, is it? It has, it has a couple. It's not totally ignoring the 60s show it's not being campy but it also pays a bit a bit of respect to it it does that's that's what i mean i think it's really good but it's because you can tell i you know they, they couldn't go the same way and have it all comic and stuff like that and yeah. like, like you said the fans were pressuring for, for something darker because the comics were darker and stuff yeah. like that and that it does give it that but in hindsight it's like a transition there's this film and the next there are a nice transition piece into what follows later on with Christopher Nolan. And I've probably got a bit more appreciation for it now for watching it. Well, my understanding about his desire to be involved in Batman Begins is that he didn't understand that it wasn't a prequel to the film he was in. And I think that was mm. as far as he got angry about it. And, and when he saw Heath Ledger's performance, I believe he was highly in praise of it. I know that he actually, unlike Burton, was a huge fan of Batman comics and loved the Joker when he was a kid in particular. And I personally think both he and Keaton are brilliant in this. I think he's, to me, my favourite screen Joker. He's the most, while his origin and his characterization are not like the comics, his look is incredible. He's got those little devil horns that come out the side of his hair when he first shows up as Joker and kills Grissom. And I actually normally don't like Jokers have any origin. I love what they do in Dark Knight with that. But I think if he has to have one, this is the one that I like. And this is the one that they kind of ran with in the animated series as well, which obviously is really popular. In Keaton's performance, I think that his role is clearly the least developed of the two. He doesn't, on paper, have a lot to do. I think he does a really good job with what he does. He's obviously, mm -hmm. you know, Burton's lonely boy that he has. You know, Edward Scissorhands, Ichabod even, mm -hmm. yeah. Charlie. Charlie Chocolate Factory, he loves these like lonely boys and he keeps coming back to them. I think Keaton does a more interesting job with that than most. Just clarify that that's... Billy Crystal. No, that you're not saying Tim Burton 
is a pedo who's preying on lonely I'm not boys. Tim Burton is a is a kiddie fiddler now. Allegedly, Keaton. I love his look. His he's got those like piercing blue eyes, mm. which I believe are contact lenses, which was his idea to, to differentiate <laughs> Bruce Wayne from Batman. He does the the lower register in the voice, which Kevin Conroy ran with, and Bale obviously uh, tried his best to, to do. <laughs> but yeah, I think what they aim to do with this is what I keep in mind. Like Rather than comparing it to other iterations, what did this one want to do with it? And I think it's so yeah. successful in yeah. that, despite all the stupid shit like the Prince songs. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's okay. But what it is to me more than anything is operatic. <laughs> the animated flowing cape that Burton does for Batman on the rooftop doesn't look uh, very good no, by no, modern no. standards, uh, but it's such a nice flourish operatically. And then when he descends yeah. down to Christopher Fairbanks and he's got the cape in the bat shape, mm. And there's obvious comparisons between Joker and Jerry Hall's character in The Phantom of the Opera with the mask and everything. So I think it's intentionally operatic. And for me, I personally think it's a brilliant film that I really enjoyed revisiting. Yeah. Curse Jerry Hall's infernal acting talent. talent. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely dreadful. Was she with Jagger in those days? I think she was. Would Jagger have been on set yeah. with Nicholson? That'd have been a treat, wouldn't it? <laughs> Tell you what, very special mention for Billy Crystal slash Michael Keaton in that bloody suit. How thick that rubber was and really? how unmoving. I've never seen rubber so inflexible. You can tell, can't you, as well, where he just turns and he's like... Yeah, he can turn his neck. <laughs> we talked about that on The Dark Knight, didn't we? Um, about Val Kilmer saying that he couldn't hear anybody when he was in the suit. And apparently Keaton said the same thing. Hmm. That he just couldn't hear anybody. But he used that and made himself more withdrawn which is something we've kind of praised mm. his performance for. So, uh, And people were obviously expecting him to be, because he was best known at the time as a, as a comedian, like a goofball, mm. Mr. Mom, mm. uh, and Beetlejuice. City so, Slickers. And City Slickers, yeah. And uh, <laughs> the, mime, the Mime is Money guy in Spinal Tap. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys, Mime is Money. <laughs> well, I did think I was watching City Slickers when I saw bloody Keaton Jack slash Palance. Crystal and Jack Palance. Yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah. I was watching like City Slickers 3, The Legend of Curly's Pubes. <laughs> he also apparently couldn't hear, but just because he was old and hard of hearing, apparently Burton once shouted action and he didn't appear. So he went over to have a word with him about it and Plans was apparently very angry about this. And he said it was really difficult working with him, but he loved that he did because he can't imagine anyone else being Jack Nicholson's boss, which is a great compliment to, to Jack, I think. Yeah, you need some kind of presence to be able to to pull that off I suppose I think Kim Basinger does really well to hold her weight in this as well because uh, 105 pounds <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> I think this was quite early in her career I think she like you say she does hold the weight it's a shame her partner her journalist partner he doesn't do as well I think he flies. Oh, I, I like think him. he's great he's yeah. so good uh, yeah, he's Knox. really charismatic Is it Knox? and Is it? quite funny yeah. Knox, Knox yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 he's I just yeah, quite liked him a smart ass like yeah. kind of guy that you'd quite like to be a mate quipping for you when you need yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. When he gets handed the drawing of the the bat in a suit and he's like, what a dick. <laughs> it's such good line delivery. <laughs> Maybe we're ready to move on to our favourite Joker moments. Let's start this time with Gaz. It's got to be the iconic underground 
doctor scene with the wow. bandages being unwrapped from behind. Yeah. And you kind of, I guess you're expecting the reveal there, really, aren't you? That it's, it's yeah. delayed gratification. Yeah. But you get your first taste of the laugh. Right. That's the big thing with the Joker. You're always waiting for to hear what the laugh is with each actor. Yeah. There's a palpable scariness to that scene, which I think sets it up quite well for, for a character that isn't necessarily that scary going forwards, except for maybe the buzzer scene. Great introductory scene. Remember they uh, did a great parody of that when Lisa Simpson needed braces and uh, <laughs> gave her the huge head retainer. Yeah. All right. Next, Ben, could you tell me your favorite Joker moment? It's the Joker commercial, specifically <laughs> where he's sitting on the beach with the two women who've both got green hair and white skin. Love that Joker. <laughs> so similar to uh, Beetlejuice, where he does that TV ad to, to uh, get them yeah. to hire him. Yeah, Adam, your favourite Joker moment? Probably where he pulls out that uh, massive revolver and uh, shoots <laughs> the Batwing. That's that's the bit yeah. I was waiting for. <laughs> Because mad, it? it's just that's the bit when I when I first saw the film as a kid, that's the bit where the, one of the biggest moments he just just goes boom, yeah, and you're like shit. <laughs> so yeah, I like I, I was waiting for that. Yeah, I didn't realize the first time I watched it, but it's funny how similar that in the Dark Knight where the Joker's goading Batman to come on, hit me, hit me, and he's got the Tommy gun mm. or the machine gun. My favourite Joker moment is just his first reveal to Grissom when he kills him. Just seeing him approaching the shadow and then he takes off his hat, you get that first look at him and it's just such a perfect look. And uh, I guess the other one is when he, as someone mentioned before, uses the uh, the buzzer, which I thought was really interesting. A buzzer that actually electrocutes somebody to death. Which used to freak me out when I was uh, a youngin watching it. The, the smoking... Yeah skeleton yeah the, the mob yeah. guy yeah mm. really, yeah uh, i think i remember yeah. watching it with you actually and, and thinking the same thing mm. did you hold hands because you were nervous probably yeah. <laughs> oh there'll be a hot town in the old town tonight <laughs> how about favorite dialogue favorite joker lines and this time let's start with adam please have you ever heard of the healing power of laughter and he's shocking the guy, isn't he? <laughs> and he's and he's just like slowly getting turned into a piece of toast. It's almost like an Arnold quip. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason for this order is that I mixed it up from last time. So Gaz next. Not leaving you last on purpose, Ben. <laughs> I don't actually remember where mine comes from, but I think it's a, a memorable line. Yeah. It's just where he says, never rub another man's rhubarb. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> Ah, right, how's it I feel? Like, huh? like, ah, how's it feel? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm done. You can AI generate my plan. <laughs> that is a great line. It is a great line. <laughs> it's when he shoots Bruce Wayne, isn't it? And he's got the tea tray. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Mickey Vale is his rhubarb. <laughs> All right, Ben, do you have a favorite line other than that? I got a few. I had a few backups. This town needs an enema. And then he does the party roller. Burr, <laughs> yeah. Burr. <laughs> yeah, that's the first one that I wrote down. There's a bit close to the end where he's just said to Batman, you made me. And Batman says, you made me first. But then the line that I love Jokers is he's going, I say, you made me. You got to say, I made you. Like he's saying, it's like a whole childish thing that's going on. <laughs> back and forth. Yeah. But the other thing that I really love, and it's not so much the line, it's the delivery, is when he gets Bob 
and he does his impression of Grissom. Hey, you are my number one a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody have any favourite moments that outside of, of Nicholson and Joker? Any anything they want to highlight? My favourite moment that I totally forgot about, even though I was looking forward to seeing the scene where he pulls out the big gun. Yeah, I couldn't remember what it was for. And then when I saw the Batwing, I was like, oh, the Batwing! Uh, I was yeah. like, oh, and I had yeah. the toy. So and I just forgot. It's like I loved it. Uh, but I love that the the fact that you, you know this thing comes out of nowhere, yeah. goes up through the clouds to the moon, <laughs> it gets silhouetted in the moon and then just drops down again. I was like, oh, yeah. this is so good. Who's he doing that for? Just for himself. Go treat yourself. Yeah, treat. Yeah. It's the little things. <laughs> One thing I would like to mention about the film, yeah, and the this sequence of four Batman Batman returns. Batman Forever, Batman and Robin is Pat Hingle as yeah. Commissioner Gordon. I yeah. think he's one of the worst actors to be in a big budget film that I've ever seen. He's <laughs> awful. Absolutely tragic. He's much better in this than he is in, in the other ones. When he pops up in, is it Forever, when he when he says, new villains popped up, you're going to see him. Didn't see this one coming. Didn't see this one coming, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> fucking terrible. God damn, he is awful. And in The Quick and the Dead is the only other thing I've seen him in. He's okay in that, yeah. so I'm not quite sure yeah. what's going on with these Batman films. He was probably annoyed that Commissioner Gordon was such a shit small part because it's normally a big deal in Batman, isn't it? And in this, it's mm. just reduced to exposition, man. Mm. You policeman, you go there. You go there. That's it. Good, good. <laughs> <laughs> So for me, uh, just a couple. Oh of little yeah, bits. you go ahead of me. That's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I thought I was waiting. I was waiting for you to say something, and you didn't say anything. So I just assumed you'd have anything. Well, usually the host invites people. <laughs> I said I, I threw it open to everybody. We went in order before. Come on, let's hear what you got. You're not going to hear it now. I'm going to keep it a secret, and it's a really good bit as well. Fine by me. <laughs> My little treat was Billy D. Williams. Yeah. I forgot he was in it, and so it was yeah. really great to see him. Really shit that he didn't get to be Two Face. Yeah, man. Yeah. He yeah. Really yeah. Can you imagine that? Yeah. yeah. I had a favourite line that isn't a Joker line, and it's uh, yeah, don't worry about it. It's a Bruce Wayne <laughs> one, which is uh, when Vicky Vale comes to have a date with him for dinner. He says to her, "Did you have a hard time finding the house?" <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that done on purpose? What yes. do you mean? Because she's already been there. Yeah. It's well. Either way, it's a gag, isn't it? It's a gag, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, it didn't feel like one. It just felt shite. <laughs> well, you were really down on this one, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> now, before we get to the bat competition round, if you're new to the bat podcast and you're bat enjoying it, please bat like, bat rate, bat review, <laughs> and bat subscribe wherever you can. It helps us keep making these. In Batman, flamboyant, vainglorious mobster Jack Napier is disfigured after being shot through the cheeks and falling into a vat of chemicals, leaving him with green hair, chalk white skin, and a rictus grin. Seemingly driven insane by his own reflection, Napier embraces his new visage and becomes the Joker, the self-described world's first homicidal artist. He kills his traitorous former boss, and assumes his place at the head of Gotham's crime syndicate. 
Envious of the attention the local press is giving to the mysterious vigilante known as the Batman, and keen to get his face on the $1 bill, the Joker sets about terrorising the residents of Gotham City by poisoning their toiletries, killing public figures in broad daylight, and vandalising works of art. He also literally courts the press, wooing reporter Vicky Vale by gassing all the other diners at the Flugelheim Museum in order to create a more intimate setting to show off his disfigured ex-girlfriend as an art piece. Finally, he parades a huge balloon through the streets, raining counterfeit money on the crowd, before attempting to gas them too. Ultimately, he's thwarted by the Batman and his own comic instincts, falling to his death and failing to overshadow Gotham's pet weirdo, the guy who dresses like a bat. So, a strong campaign for attention that incorporated wooing the press, a parade, and a TV ad, among other things, certainly brought the Joker into the public consciousness. But how did the panel of peril rate Joker's plan? Was it a good concept? And how well was it pulled off Ben? He made it to the, the top of the, the crime syndicate, which is what he wanted. He got the respect of the, the other heads by shocking that guy to death. Mm. The chemicals in the random cosmetics and whatnot was very clever. Mm. But then I think he suffered from not really knowing what he wanted. Mm. It felt a bit unfocused, but I suppose that's that's the character, isn't it? He's a bit he's a bit mad. Yeah. He doesn't have to be mad to work here, but it helps. He's a dog chasing cars. <laughs> As I kind of set out in the, uh, the the aim, I think what all he wants really is to be the center of attention doesn't care how yeah in that respect he's fairly successful so i'm giving him uh eight florit rating and the florets are exactly the same color as his hair so it's it's a nice match Ooh. yeah that really works out next let's hear what gaz thought of joker's plan yeah I don't think it's much of a plan, personally. <laughs> I think he should have concentrated more on the Smilex. It feels like that's such a minor part of the plan when it feels like it could be his masterstroke to me. And then he, he goes off in all these different directions, like Ben was saying, quite scattershot. I just think he needs to focus his mind, focus his mind, which well, might come into someone's no. planning a little bit. I'm rubbing <laughs> my nose for, for the people not watching the video that we that we put on YouTube. He's bloody used it as a little teaser, hasn't he? <laughs> He's planting seeds. He's fucking planting seeds. <laughs> He's planting something to plant. What's this thread I've just picked up? Ooh, let me follow <laughs> it. Ooh, it's golden. I can say oh, that no. Much. It's unravelling his jumper and plan. <laughs> All right, uh, and Adam? What did you think of Joker's plan to become the centre of attention? Yeah, similar to Gaz, really. He finds himself at the top of the tree, right. and then he just goes over the edge completely, and he just doesn't know what he's doing. But I think the Smilex thing could have done well. But then, as for getting rid of Batman, he's not really thought it through, and he killed, bumps off Bob for no reason. He doesn't even get anybody to do any recon on, on Batman or anything. So, yeah, I just think he's... Um, He's just gone mad with power. Finds himself at the top of the tree, but he ain't the sort of monkey to shit on the tourists. There you go. <laughs> As the old saying goes. <laughs> As for me, the Smilex part is kind of confusing because you think the last thing you would want is to make loads of people look like him because, you know, he wants to be unique, doesn't he? I suppose on the other hand, you could say it's like brand marketing. Mm. You know, every time you see a corpse with a Joker's face on it, you think, Joker, love that Joker. <laughs> Part of an awareness building campaign, isn't it? 
if you see a dead body that looks like someone else that's on TV, you're going to remember it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is the part of the show where the panel of peril compete for the title of season three's most diabolical. Up for grabs is one bat point for each vote, which will go towards the series leaderboard. Joker tried to become the biggest thing in Gotham by courting the press, terrorizing the people, and vandalizing the paintings. But how would you become the darling of the local media, Ben? Jack the Joker Napier has a good thing going. He's clearly a crook, but with his magnetic personality, he finds himself with quite the following among Gotham's citizens. The trouble is, just when he's starting to build rapport and a modicum of trust, he tries to gas them all, which to some could be interpreted as a serious breach of trust. So in my corner of the multiverse, the Joker has a tad more patience as he finds himself enjoying his TV appearances more and more. He likes having a platform to perform to the masses, and the people of Gotham are responding to his offbeat humour. So he decides this is where he'll focus his efforts. First, he launches a dating show called The Joker's Match Made in Mayhem, where he plays Clown Prince of Cupid, matching up criminals based on their shared love of chaos and destruction. There is even a lucrative premium call-in line for viewers to share well wishes with the new couples. It's a nailed-on smash. Building on that success, he hosts a late-night talk show where he interviews celebrities and politicians while occasionally making snide remarks and tongue-in-cheek death threats. Like Conan. (laughs) (laughs) While not as popular as his more mainstream dating show, Joker's Wild builds a cult following, establishing Jack Napier as a man with fresh takes on political hot potatoes. But little do people know. Jack has an ulterior motive for producing these first-rate entertainment shows. By helping criminals find love, he is expanding his network of loyal accomplices, all of whom happily help him tighten his white-gloved mitts on the Gotham crime scene and fill his vaults full of dirty cash. And with each politician he meets, he subtly probes them to see who would be most amenable to his financial and public backing in the next Gotham mayoral elections. Once he finds the ideal candidate, Joker promises premium endorsement spots on his TV shows, the use of his heavies as required, and more donated cash than you can shake a pair of chattering teeth at. And all he asks in return? A series of commemorative banknotes featuring his joyful visage once the candidate has been elected. Nice. Anybody got any questions for Ben? Once he's elevated himself to high enough in this social sort of hierarchy of celebrity, should we say. He's just going to be a, a puppet. Anybody else got any questions for Ben? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was amazing. <laughs> we should revive Eurotrash so we can <laughs> present you. <laughs> I think that's the root beer coming out to play. <laughs> I, I withdraw my question, Your Honour. <laughs> Sorry, go on. He's her- uh, elevated no, to the hierarchy. I forgot my. Th- I was going down. Is, is he a puppet? Is what you're going to say? He's just a puppet. Yeah, he's, just, he's a puppet master. And I was going to say something else, but it's gone now. Yeah, bollocks. No mind. 
<laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I think my ass said it all. Oh, you've distracted in there, Countacular, you naughty boy. You should thank me because he was about to destroy your plan, <laughs> but I've intercepted him. Oh, you deflected it. <laughs> yeah, so, so I figure, like, you know, with these two shows, he, he was obviously quite the personality anyway. Yeah. yeah. But with these two yes. shows, he's also, well, one, expanding his network and two. Oh, there's only two shows because one of my questions was going to be why does he have a late night talk show? But is that the same show with the politics? Yeah, so that's the late night talk uh, okay. show. It's, it's like it's called Joker's Wild. Right, and right. He interviews celebrities and politicians, but when he gets the politicians on, he's probing them. He's trying to find out whether they'll run with his backing and his influence. Got you. So my other question was going to be: Can you give us some examples of supervillain power couples that the Joker creates on his dating show? Oh yeah, supervillain power couples, uh, Mister Freeze and. Ooh, uh, <laughs> the Riddler. All right. The uh, Mr. Freeze and the Slush Puppy Dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Poison Ivy and uh, Alan Titchmarsh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Macy Gray and the Green Goblin. <laughs> well, if there are no other questions for Ben. Sonny and Cher. <laughs> the Captain Tennille. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, She's an actress. She won Oscar, and he's a congressman. Good night. <laughs> It'd be quite something to get them back together in 1989. I can All right. <laughs> Sorry, I asked. <laughs> Adam, can we hear your plan, please? Jack hasn't only gone insane. He also seems to have gained a flamboyant flair for performance and showmanship, whether it's OTT, criminal meetings, or dancing to the latest hippity-hop dressing a bit funky and frequently using makeup to hide his new look. He even shows an artistic side, albeit by destroying paintings in the museum. Art is art. Aren't all legitimate artists a bit crazy, bordering on geniuses? The answer is yes. You give him a tuba and he'll get something out of it. (laughs) Joker clearly loves being a bit ostentatious. I reckon once Joker has bumped off his boss and installed himself at the top of the criminal food chain, instead of recklessly flaunting his newfound wealth as numero one of Gotham's crime order, he decides to start an arts and performing arts school in the city to combine them into a mega art school. J&J Napier's Academy of Arts. There's mime classes, painting and expressionism classes, fashion design and dance where Joker himself shows the students how to bust his own particular type of unique style of moves. It's all covered. The school is also used as a recruitment hub for his organisation and picks the most eccentric minds of the city to join him as his devious lieutenants, creating new villain henchmen such as the Mime Maker, has the ability to make their mimes come true with apparently invisible objects becoming real, like climbing up invisible rope or smashing invisible glass over someone's head. Animal Balloony creates a variety of large balloon animals that hold special secrets. Fun for kids, but deadly for his enemies. Plaster Master has the ability to rapidly cover a person in hard-setting plaster of Paris, Papier-mâché can also come from several orifices when they close their eyes and strain, but not too much, as they may have an accident. And Clemelian 
After doing too much crystal meth, their face collapsed. Using the power of clay, they have the ability to change their appearance into the resemblance of anyone, particularly if viewed from a distance of 20 meters or more. <laughs> the actor. You've never seen acting like it. This person convinced anyone they are the person they are portraying themselves to be. It is truly amazing. Best of all, though, it allows Joker to launder his money through his new academy. While Joker is busy on the charm offensive, he also decides to get rid of the Cape Crusader once and for all. He holds a special The Bat Within Night, featuring performances and artwork exploring the link between bats and humans. Batman, sensing a trap, <laughs> but feeling like he can get the drop on Joker, decides to attend. After Batman arrives, he is met by Commissioner Gordon and follows him inside, warning the Commissioner that he suspects it's a trap, but the Commissioner reassures him that he has it covered. Wait, wait a minute. There's something off about the Commissioner. Oh no! Suddenly he appears as a man Batman doesn't know anymore. It's the actor! That's when the other henchmen pounce, not from the front, but from the sides. Plastermaster begins to weave Batman in plaster of Paris. Claymelian locks his feet in place with sticky clay. Mime maker wrapping it up with some invisible cling film. As Batman struggles to free himself, Animal Balloonly slowly releases some KO gas into his face. It's night, night for the dark night. Batman is still viewed as a dangerous vigilante by the majority of the Gotham authorities. Now his entombed body is delivered to City Hall in the morning. Preferring the Bat to be alive, but willing to accept his death, the Mayor is glad to see him gone. Joker is rumoured to be behind his death, but this isn't confirmed. With the Batman gone, Joker is free to continue being a criminal overlord whilst indulging himself in his art and laundering his cash. His academy is so successful that it is hailed as turning around the fortunes of Gotham. While crime is still an issue, Joker is now above suspicion as nobody sees his academy as other than a legitimate operation. He also buys the Gotham Mint and puts his face on a dollar. The end. <laughs> I had to get that in the end somehow. <laughs> what I think you've partly done there is you've created the villain Clayface from mm. the Batman comics. Yeah. What was he? <laughs> series. Is that a genuine character? I, yeah. didn't, I haven't actually yeah, yeah. Wow. that one. I didn't it's know. an actor, yeah. <laughs> No way. Yeah. yeah. Claymelian that I, that I made is, um, is a, an ex-crystal yeah. meth addict whose face eventually yeah. Yeah, imploded. I think my favourite line from your plan was, Batman, sensing a trap. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I heard a little snicker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess my only question is, yeah. would Joker really want to make loads of other supervillains to take the focus off him? He needs a nu- uh, he needs his number one, doesn't he? Because like that, what got me onto this was, um, I was thinking about Bob, and I was going to try and write a thing about Bob, but then I was thinking, well, He's obviously disappointed with Bob, and Bob was basically just a yeah. bloke with a gun. So I was thinking, well, yeah, surely he just we want some other like loony people around, and uh, that's what got me onto the sort of setting up the art school and then rec- as a recruitment hub. And you love Bob. All you've talked about today is Bob. I liked him. I just thought it was a, a needless death. You really felt sorry for Bob, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, he's inspired <laughs> your whole plan. <laughs> that's and my. Bob re- sees a lot of yeah. himself in Bob. Yeah, yeah. It's the hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to glue a load around if they have a mullet around the back. 
Any more questions for Adam? Yeah, I thought it was a very good idea, performing arts school. Mm. What happens with the students that, that don't make the supervillain grade? They just carry on with the art school. Just get a degree. Do they go on to meaningful careers or are they basically unhireable? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they could do. They maybe, maybe some of them will wind up in being lesser henchmen or something like that. I don't know. Was one of them Tracy Emin? <laughs> well, no, she's now she's a supervillain now. So you know, she's a supervillain in her own right. <laughs> Bedhead or something like that. D- Damien Hurst would be uh, the cow tipper. <laughs> of course, the, the most elusive of all is Banksy, isn't he? And uh, the the greatest supervillain to come out of Joker's art school, Rolf Harris. <laughs> Mm, mm, yes. Mm. And let us never forget that Gaz was in Rolf's cartoon club. Yes. Hey, so he has been great today, ladies what? and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do we have any more questions for Adam? I thought it was a pretty solid plan. Surprisingly. He's really, really <laughs> upped his game, knowing it's the last couple of episodes. <laughs> I'd say my only uh, concern is that, given his aim, that people like Balloony. And, and the guy who shits plaster might, might take some of the <laughs> no, he doesn't shit focus plaster. away from Joker. He doesn't shit. He shits normally, but he has to strain, and it's papier-mâché that comes out of his orif- orifices. Oh, but if he strains too hard, right, yeah. that's when he shits himself. <laughs> <laughs> Gals, can we have your hopefully poo-related plan? No poo, I'm afraid. No poo. Oh, Any papier-mâché? Or clay? Uh... Not this time, not this time. Lots of descriptive doing words. Mind of eagle, feet of leopard, fists <laughs> of bear. The Joker meditates using the mantra, I'm glad you're dead. I'm glad you're dead. I'm glad you're dead. And though his countenance might appear amused, he is really quite serious. Serious about becoming top dog in Gotham's famous underworld. It has been nearly a decade since that fateful day at Axis Chemicals, the day that Jack Napier ceased to be and the Joker was born. And although the accident saw him fall into a vat of mysterious chemicals resulting in disfigurement and criminal insanity, he is not insane. He knew that it would take years of honing his body and mind to take out the bat and the Gotham Mafia. He travelled through Asia and there met a man who taught him how to best master the mental and the physical. He told him that he needed to become more than just a man, but a symbol, (laughs) an ideal, a joker. He then woos the general public of Gotham upon his return, in much the same manner as in the film, only without the Smilex stuff, because even a city as loony as Gotham wouldn't trust him after that. He does the parade, releases the money, and gas upon the crowd of scroungers. But when Batman arrives for some hot fisticuff action, the Joker is ready for him. Spin kick, spin kick, jumping spin kick, backhand closed fist, kick to the shin, German suplex, armbar resulting in arm break, spin kick, leg sweep, puts the beats to him on the floor, lifts him back up. Spin kick, jumping spin kick, spin kick, spin kick, the old dosy do Spin kick, backflip, spin kick, punch, 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 crane kick, black mass, Judas effect, WMD, stone cold stutter, <laughs> danger, crescent kick, and to finish off a spin kick, Batman is dead now, battered to death, and the Joker takes the coveted place 
as the clown king of goth. Are you just reading from one of your wrestling magazines there? Didn't turn out to be as long as I wanted it to be, that list of spin kicks. Yeah. It should have gone on a bit longer. There's <laughs> more spin kicks in Chung Lee. Do you want to just record some more now? We'll splice them in. I'll just copy and paste it. Yeah, just, just loop it. Spin kick. Spin kick. Uppercut. Spin kick. European uppercut. Spin kick. Spin kick. Big swing. Spin kick. Back fist. <laughs> DDT. What's the difference between a, what, an uppercut and a European uppercut? <laughs> oh, well, do you want to get into it? Because A normal uppercut is fist to mouth. European uppercut is like the forearm coming up. Oh, oof. The edge of the forearm under the chin for the European uppercut. Is that real or are you just making that up? No, I right. never know with you. Oh. <laughs> Tombstone. 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 Suplex. <laughs> Wait, so in a nutshell, the plan is for Joker to get trained in martial arts. He becomes Batman, essentially. I don't know if it's worth throwing open questions to Gaz's plan. More like just a general sense of did you have fun or not? That's that's what we've got to come away, away with here, I think. But you may have questions. I enjoyed the initial three spin kicks and then each one became <laughs> progressively less interesting for me. I don't know. I, I think it would have worked if you kept going. Just keep going more, more. Come back to it. <laughs> spin kick. Spin kick. Physically now, physically looking at the physical specimens of Billy Crystal slash Michael Keaton and yeah. Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Do you reckon? Do you reckon Nicholson's sweet dad bod could take out <laughs> Billy Crystal's tight know. nips? Well, you have to remember this is ten years later that he's been travelling. Asia, exactly, honing yeah. mind, body, spirit. Ah, but age so, is going to catch up with him. Uh, potentially, but maybe there's something mystical going on as well, and he's he's either held back or reversed to the aging process. Like that guy who uh, takes his son's blood and injects himself with semen or whatever. <laughs> Jesus or, Christ. Or RFK Jr., big buff old man. <laughs> Whereas uh, Billy Crystal... All his uh, muscles are in the suit, aren't they? Yeah. He's not actually mm, big. You no. see him in his tux. He's quite a slight fellow. No, he just looks like a little nerd. All right. Me? Well, I wasn't buying it until you mentioned that something mystical might have happened, and now I'm all in. <laughs> Love that deus ex machina. Yeah, you, uh, you got some supernatural elements in there, uh, both of you. I think the mime master being able to make invisible objects physical. Is that within the verisimilitude of the universe? Did you spot I used invisible cling film? Oh, did you know I didn't? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> you could, you could have used real cling film because that's nigh on invisible. <laughs> yeah. That's precisely my point. Yeah. Oh, well, that went over my head. Because it was invisible. Because <laughs> it was invisible. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll bring us home, as they say. No pressure, but two episodes left. <laughs> There's no pressure, How are you going to say that now? Just watch Catacula crumble now. He's not even going to say the words. He's just going to bumble through this. <laughs> I won season two, so there's no pressure for me. Pressure's all on you guys. <laughs> let me leave, let me read my plan, fucking hell. All right, here we go. My tiny little nipples <laughs> went to France. <laughs> <laughs> That's from Bruce Almighty. There you go. All right, here we go. Winged freak terrorizes. Wait till they get a load of me, says the Joker, his eyes darting left to right maniacally. Whoop, whoop. He sits for a moment more. 
then sighs, slaps both hands on Grissom's desk, and nods his head with a resigned smile. Eee, he says. <laughs> um, he drums his fingers on the polished wood. Better hit the dusty trail, he says. Then he leaves for his hideout. Once home, he reviews the newspaper once more. Why are the papers so obsessed with Batman? Is it because he's mysterious? I can be mysterious, he thinks. He crosses the room to his vanity, the mirror outlined with colourful bulbs, makeup strewn across the counter. Oh, Betty, he says. (laughs) (laughs) As he brings a smooth, cool porcelain mask to his face modelled after his favourite phantom, Michael Crawford. (laughs) Not really my style, he muses ruefully, placing the mask back carefully on its stand. Maybe it's the car. Chicks dig the car. He realises his own efforts to pimp up his goon's cars have been a bit half-arsed. Pink with his face on the side. He needs to go further. The Batmobile looks like Batman, so the Mirthmobile must look like Joker. The hood must feature his head in glorious relief. The headlights must burn from his eyes. All the kids will want a die-cast little Joker car. And that's when it hits him. He picks up the mask once more and crudely daubs its cheek with red lipstick, its brow with green shadow. A Joker mask. The first in his line of merchandise. Before the year is out, Joker is a household name with a line of products including Laughing Joker Bag, Joker Cola, Joker Cereal, McJoker's Restaurant, Larry Flint-style joking jackets, Joker <laughs> Trading Cards, Joker Brand Operation Game, Joker Monopoly, Joker Speak and Say, Tickle Me Joker, Joker Slime, Joker Brand Vinylite Grip Steel Tip Lawn Darts, Axis Chemicals T-Shirt and Hoodie, Joker Halloween outfit. Mr. J's old-fashioned pickled onions. <laughs> Joker brand contraceptive diaphragms. Joker thermal beverage mug and balloon. Joker tea towel. And Joker mouse mats. Love that Joker. <laughs> what are you saying about those spin kicks, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was intentional, so that when I got to the pickled yeah. onions, you would laugh. Yes. <laughs> Larry Flint's style joking jacket. Do you mean Hugh Hefner? Larry Flint wore them as well. Did he? I put Hef first and then I thought that's too obvious. I'll put Larry Flint. Larry Flint had the wheelchair. That was his thing. He had the it? wheelchair, yeah. He had the smoking <laughs> jacket. Pornographer, too. wasn't he, as well? Also a pornographer. He was the first pornographer <laughs> to combine wheelchairs and smoking jackets. Okay, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I put Hef style smoking jackets first and then I thought, that's boring. Larry mm. Flint's more fun to mm-hmm. say. And then I couldn't say it. I had a cock in my mouth. <laughs> Can you give me some phrases the uh, Tickle Me Joker would say, please? I have given a name to my pain. <laughs> I'm your best friend. <laughs> you are my number one guy. Tickle me. <laughs> That's it, yeah. <laughs> <Just> excellent. <laughs> so I presume the intention with this is to make money? No. It's to make him the most well-known personality in Gotham City. He'll make money as a side effect, but his main aim is to make himself a household name. But it seems very legitimate. So? And he's not making him the top dog of crime, is it? 
It's making him the top dog of entrepreneurship. The goal wasn't to make him the top dog of crime. The goal was to make him the most well-known personality in Gotham City. Ah. Read the brief next time, boys. Jeez. <laughs> Maybe I will. Maybe, Maybe I, I will. will. <laughs> I think it was... I'm sure you said to make him top dog of the criminal underworld. Maybe, maybe I did. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I'll read it word for word. Has Jack Napier become the top dog of the Gotham criminal class? <laughs> well, he already is in mine. He's already the top dog of the criminal class before he before he starts. How convenient! <laughs> because he's already killed Grissom at the start of mine. Yeah. But what I will say is, all of his products that he makes are hooky. And they'll all like they'll burn kids and stuff, like <laughs> okay. kind of like kind of like crusty brand products. They're really bad. The cereal's got little metalos. <laughs> oh, uh, the glass in the, in Joker brand sugar is prizes. And as you tickle the tickle me Joker, you get a needle in your hand. Exactly, yeah, and it's a used one as well. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> Some truly diabolical schemes there, but who will get the votes? First, we had Ben's televisual tyranny. Next, we had Adam's archenemy art school. Then we had Gaz's raw smackdown. And finally, we had my mirthful merchandising. Gaz, who have you voted for? I have once again voted for Adam Oh, well. This is this is getting interesting because right now Adam's in the lead. Holy cow. Adam, who have you voted for? I have voted for the person I thought fulfilled the brief the best, which is Ben. Oh. Ben, who have you voted for? Well, I have voted for Adam Hussein. Ah. Adam. And I have also voted for the person who is probably in his briefs. I'd vote, vote for ah, Ben as well. Woo. Split points. Yes. What has that done to the season three diabolical leaderboard? Well, folks, we've got a brand new leader. Oh, with Adam streaking into the lead with 21 points. Oh, hell. And then in joint second place with 19 points apiece are Count Attacular and Ben. And your champion for the season in last (laughs) place is myself (laughs) with 16 points. The people's champion. He's done it. it. So proud. It's so cool and fortunate that I haven't had a vote for the last four episodes since you all said, let's not vote for me again. That was was great. (laughs) Not one. <laughs> Absolutely nobody. I was I was this close between you and her, and I just thought, oh, that's it. I they're both so good today. It was it was really a hard choice. All three were really good, and I I, I liked them all. But then I thought, well, which one is is the is the one who's going to be like the the crime boss? And it was Bantapan. Yeah, he will be the crime boss if he wins again. That's what will happen next <laughs> season. You don't know how long my name's going to be if I win. It's going to be real long. Oh, God, oh, God almighty. Turner only needs one vote next week to secure victory. Oh, yeah. But if Cautacular or I get three votes, mm-hmm. it's all to play for. Got to sweep the board. 
Yeah. Or will I get three votes and then it'll be joint second place three ways? Yeah. Wow. wow. And then we all team up on Turner like a gangbang. Yeah. <laughs> Who takes where? I'm thinking Gaz takes the top hole, Ben takes the back, and I'll take the pee hole. <laughs> <laughs> so next week is our season three finale, and Gaz will be hosting. So, Gaz, what favourite film of yours will the other two be ruining for you? <laughs> for our season three finale, we are going to be watching... Uh, the director's cut, mind you, not the theatrical cut. Oh. The director's cut of Clive Barker's Nightbreed. Oh, Ooh. director's cut! Never, I like it when it's a director's cut. Never seen that, cut. nor heard of it previously. I think I think you'll like this one. I'm reasonably confident. Yeah, it does seem up your alley in some ways. Can we stop talking about alleys, please. You know, you will probably piss your pants like a little crying bitch, but also. <laughs> Is this the end for our intrepid panel of peril? Will Count Attacula lose his crown? Tune in next week, same bat time, same bat place. Thank you for listening. And if you ever want to become my number one guy, make sure you subscribe, hit the bell, and leave us a review on the very platform on which you're currently listening. You can follow us on social mediums at DiabolicalPod. Next week, we'll be competing to approve on the Diabolical plan of Nightbreed. Until then, you want to get nuts? Eh, I could go for some nuts. I thought we were going to sing a Prince song. You don't have to have a white face to rule my world. You don't need green hair to be my girl. You just have to be a smooch. Could you be the most disfigured girl in the world? bit more trivia for you prince loves party rings so much that during the making of the music video he demanded that his trailer have at least seven party rings in it every day on a lovely little <laughs> plate i do have some thoughts on this film but first of all can i confirm something you mentioned in your little intro there sure is one of the scriptwriters called Sam Ham? That's right, Sam Ham. Sam Ham, yeah, yeah. Did is you, he a Doctor Seuss that in this creation? Yeah. <laughs> I asked Sam Ham if he was a Doctor Seuss creation, and he said, "I am, I am." <laughs> <laughs> what else have I got here? Uh, let's see. Uh, into my pain. <laughs> So, <laughs> Dosey do carry the one. Uh, I'll say that my favorite line. Fuck it out. Yeah, well, you all went first, shall we? Crime is a risky business, so trust me. Trust me. I used to be one, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until I took a gun and blew the pedo out of my head. <laughs> <laughs>
well, that'd be a really good uh, thing for a, a horror movie, wouldn't it? Start picking at your jumper, like in Nightmare on Elm Street, and it's just pulling out your guts and stuff. Wow. Or you get to the end of the thread, and there it's just, you realise it's a long silver pube. Ooh. <laughs> That'd be a twist. The only one you've got, and the rest of you's bald. <laughs> <laughs> and as you pull it, that little bit of skin just pulls out. Boing, boing. You know, that little, little man on the skin when you pull a pube. Boing. <laughs> little aside, when I was in Universal Studios, the Joker, no, not the Joker, Beetlejuice, <laughs> and I got together for a photograph. He said that we were the best-looking people in the park, so... There were thousands of people in there that day, so... That's a strange thing to come out with. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Unprompted. Yeah. (laughs) Because let's have a photo of the two best-looking guys in the park. I was like, yes. (laughs) Oh, my.